0: You're listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast with Jody Livingston, episode number 10. We're double digits.
1: Welcome to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now your host, Jody Livingston.
0: Hey, hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and listening today, making this podcast a part of your day. Wherever you are, wherever this finds you, thanks for tuning in. If it's your first time listening, thanks for coming over to the podcast. And if you're coming back, well, thanks for coming back. If you enjoy the podcast, you find it helpful. Man, I would really appreciate it. If you share it with somebody else, head over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast there so you get all the content each week as it comes out, as well as write or leave a review there. Really helps me out a ton. You can go to the longer haul. Dot com slash itunes to go and find that and do that there. You can also follow me on Twitter at, at Jody Livingston. That's J O D Y, and of course, the longer haul over on the Facebook. All the links and resources mentioned in this episode, you can find at the show notes over at thelongerhaul.com/slash/episode zero one zero. Thelongerhaul.com/slash/episode zero one zero. Today's guest is David Hansen from the youthministryblog.com, and we're talking about theology, theology in youth ministry. How do you teach it? How do you approach it? Is it important? Why is it? If it is, where do you start? And how do you put together a practical plan to make sure that you are really teaching and equipping not only your students, but also your leaders. So ton of good information in this episode. He's doing a phenomenal job there as a youth pastor in his ministry there, as well as on the youthministryblog.com. Just a great resource. Also some new stuff he's working on. He'll talk a little bit about in the episode as well. And uh, so you're going to want to check that out. Head over there to the youthministryblog.com If you have not before, uh, you should now. But before we get to the interview, I'd like to thank today's sponsor, which is Audible. You know, I talk a lot about reading on here. I give a lot of reading lists. We've got the book club that we do. And uh, one of the ways that I personally am able to read as much as I do is using Audible. I know it kind of sounds like it's cheating, but uh, it's really not. I read a ton of physical books. I read a ton on Kindle as well. Uh, But on the Audible, I'm able to find a lot of those same books, and I'm able to listen to them at a faster rate of speed, which really helps me a ton. Over 150,000 books on Audible and they are offering for listeners to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast, they're they're offering a free 30-day trial that comes with a free credit for any book and download that you want. So no commitment to that. Sign up for the free trial. If you like it, um, then you can keep it. And if you don't, then you don't have to. And so you can go to thelongerhall.com slash audible trial, thelongerhall.com slash audible trial to check that out. Sign up. I really encourage you to give it a try. It's been a huge benefit to me. And you know, if you're going to grow as a, as a as a leader, as a youth pastor, um you're going to have to read. And and so this is a great way to do it, especially if you have a, uh, if you're in the car a lot, you have a commute, just a great way to redeem your time, uh you know, in addition to listen to this podcast, of course. So with all that said, we'll jump right in here to the interview with David Hansen from the youthministryblog.com. David, thanks for coming on, man.
1: Jody, thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure.
0: So for those listening who don't know you, aren't familiar with the blog or who you are, why don't you take a few minutes, just introduce yourself, maybe share a little bit about your journey into youth ministry and how you got to where you are today.
1: Absolutely. Um, First, once again, thank you so much for having me. Um, I started youth ministry almost 10 years ago. I was trying to figure this out just recently. Someone asked me how long I'd been in youth ministry And I've been in youth ministry to some degree or another for 10 years. So in 2005, I was a sophomore at Texas Tech University pursuing a degree in chemistry because I wanted to become a dentist. And now that's what I recommend to every single one of my students because in dentistry, you can work long or short hours. You don't work very long hours and you make a ton of money. And so that was the direction I wanted to go. And then in the midst of an organic chemistry two class, God called me into full time vocational ministry, and some people joke and say that's because I couldn't cut it in chemistry, and that could be partially true, uh, but I like to think it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me um, calling me into full time vocational ministry, specifically youth ministry because my my fallback plan was youth ministry, like I always looked at my youth pastors and just admired who they were and what they had poured into my life and so after being discipled for multiple years uh, at the church I was going to in Lubbock, God called me into full-time vocational ministry, walked out of an Organic Chemistry two cr- class crying, called my youth pastor and said, hey, I think we're supposed to have your job. And he said, come home for the summer, and I'll teach you everything you need to know about youth ministry. And so uh, Bradley Mabin at First Baptist Church of Amarillo gave me my crash course in youth ministry back in 2005, and then I haven't looked back since. I've bounced around to a couple of small churches while finishing college. Uh went to Truett Seminary uh, for four years, and I worked at a, a church in Waco, Texas as an associate youth pastor, uh, took some time, took a semester overseas in Indonesia studying international youth ministry, and then have been in my current position for almost four years in Plano, Texas at Life Point Church. And so that's been, that's a short story of my journey in in youth ministry and about four years ago when I started this job, God just laid on my heart to share what I was learning in youth ministry, which is why I started the Youth Ministry blog. And so that is began just as a stream of consciousness, a stream of thought about what God was doing uh, in my heart as it pertains to youth ministry. And since then, I've kind of blossomed a little bit to uh, bring in other voices who are just as educated in youth ministry as I am. So,
0: I think I'll speak for a lot of us listening that uh, we can... We can share in that moment of leaving a chemistry class crying. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yes, yes.
0: I've done that a few times after exams. Uh, I don't know that I was ready to go jump in ministry after that. But (laughs) gosh, I couldn't be a dentist because I wouldn't want to mess with the drill.
1: Oh, I love it. Oh my gosh. On On a youth ministry mission trip when I was in high school, I actually got to help my dentist extract teeth in Mexico. And so we went into rural Mexico and we pulled teeth and it was the most amazing thing ever. That was kind of what solidified. That was the direction I wanted to go leaving high school.
0: Mercy. God uses all things. That is.
1: <laughs> this is true. This is true.
0: So the youth ministry blog kind of came as an, an outflow, outpouring of your ministry and your experience and what you're doing. And that's been going for a while now. It's great. A lot of resources on there for folks. Um, and so if, if, Thank you. for those listening, if you've not been by there, and please do; it's a it's a great tool and a great resource out there um, for you. Uh, today, we're going to talk and tackle theology in ministry. Um, let me say this, and let me get your your thoughts on this, David. There's so much right now out there on postmodernism and this generation of students, and much of what you read and hear says your theology, your doctrine, it, it just needs to kind of. Take a back seat to reach this generation. Um, what do you think? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Honestly, I think everything is a, is a pendulum and the I see youth ministry flow in so many different directions and it seems that for a year or two, the pendulum of youth ministry will swing in one direction. You give it two more years, that pendulum will swing right back to where it was. And so I kind of take all that with a grain of salt, and I'm not trying to insult anybody who's who's written on that, explored it, studied it, or is a proponent of it. But I do believe in two years we're going to be looking back on this and saying, wow, theology and doctrine needs to be at the core because what we're actually producing is – theologically weak students who are exiting high school with no foundation of what their faith means. And so it's great. I think there's been a lot of good writing on it, but at the same time, I take it with a grain of salt because who knows what studies are going to reveal about those views in the next three to five years.
0: Yeah, I have a hard time embracing that, that it's doctrine and theology that's preventing us from reaching postmoderns. I just, everything that I'm seeing is is really showing just the opposite. In fact, and I think I mentioned this back in episode six uh, with Nate Turner. I had an opportunity mm-hmm. not too long ago to sit down with some college students and just ask questions. They were not part of my ministry, um, and one of the things that I asked was, you know, where do you feel like the church is failing? What do you feel like you need that you're not getting from churches? And one of the things that those guys brought up was that they they wanted doctrine mm. that they had grown up. Some of these guys had grown up in church, not all of them. And they kind of knew what they believed, but they didn't really know why or what they really believed and then the others who had not grown up in church, they didn't know anything. yeah um, you know they had kind of had some church experience that was great and some some things that they felt like were really powerful and, and you know impactful in their life. But when it came to a foundation of those things, they just didn't have it. Yeah.
1: Well, and look at the speakers who have been the most popular over the past uh, three to five years. And, you know, I mean, Matt Chandler, a lot of these guys like him who are large proponents of theology and doctrine, Timothy Keller, John Piper, these guys who are the big names, they, they found themselves in this stuff. Sure. And they're the people who, students younger than we are, Running after listening to, and absolutely absorbing, and so uh they can say that hey that's it's killing, but I would go back and say, "Well, why are these churches exploding? Why are these uh speakers and minds becoming so popular and it's because they root themselves they they found themselves in doctrine,
0: yeah, I think you almost have this polarizing thing that's happening, I mean podcast under you know Christianity, top ten or top fifteen there nobody's neutral on that okay you've got some folks that are there's just no doctrine no theology emphasized or in place or and then you've got others that it it is just deeply ingrained in who they are and and so it's a very polarizing thought yeah and and it certainly affects how we do youth ministry um it certainly affects our students and and how we approach and deal with this what how does that what does that look like I mean is that is it practical to say okay I'm going to teach doctrine and theology intentionally to my students is that a practical and real I mean is that
1: is that possible I think it all depends on on how you approach it granted I what we do during the summer this is really crazy during the summer we we take our small groups off and I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself but if it it's in here Uh, During the summer, we take small groups off, but what we have is a small group that we call infused, where we literally will spend an hour with students either going through a section of scripture or a core doctrine. And we have anywhere from 40 to 50 students show up weekly during the summer because they want that. Now, granted, we have around 120 students involved in small groups throughout the year, but I love the fact that 50 of them throughout the summer are saying, yes, I do want that meat. I do want to come and get that extra teaching. And it tends to be mainly high schoolers who are are ready to take that next step. So I guess the long, long answer to your question is it is feasible. It depends on the avenue through which you bring it in. And you should be looking for multiple avenues to bring it in because there will be some students who crave it.
0: No, I agree with that. Um, I agree with that. And I would say we're kind of different uh, in, in our approach. There's, okay. There's two things I tell folks all the time. Uh, one is you have to be you. Okay. So yeah. don't try to be somebody you're not. You, you don't have to be, you know, the youth pastor down the street. You don't have to be your youth pastor that you had growing up. Yeah. You, know, you God has given you gifts, you abilities, you, you know, he's given you talents. Those are specific to you. He's giving a calling to you that is your own, not someone else's. And so be you. The second thing is, when you step into a ministry, you need to be mindful to build a culture and not a ministry. Mm. And I think when we talk about this, this aspect of doctrine and theology, this really is where you see that come out. Okay. So if you come in and you understand that five years from now, you want to be at a place where you're consistently producing students out of your ministry that are doctrinally sound, that are at least theologically aware. Okay, they may not. You're, you're not producing, you know, these these great theologians necessarily. I mean, out of high school, although some some may. Um, mm-hmm. But at least that's kind of what you want to produce. Then you need to build a culture that will reproduce itself because a ministry will will all your ministry will always change. You know, yeah. it's going to change as the students come in because you're always going to have to minister to those those students. But the things that your ministry produces will be largely based on the culture that you create. So mm-hmm. for us, you know, we're not probably typical in the sense, we don't really do, we don't do teaching series. Um, mm-hmm. We will teach through, I'll preach through books. And so in our midweek service, we'll we'll come in and, I mean, we spent four and a half months in the book of Ephesians. I love that. Just yeah. picking up where we left off. If we don't finish tonight, that's okay. We'll be back next week, you know. I love that. Um, so over the last, you know, 5 years or so, we've taught through Ephesians, we've taught through Colossians, we've taught Galatians. <clears throat> we did the Gospel of Mark over the summer, which was really really good for us. Um we're right now in the book of Hebrews. So, you know, and we're we're probably I think we're 8 weeks into Hebrews and we're we're just now hitting chapter 6 and we skipped ex- sec- you know some sections in there so that we can actually finish the book before some of these kids graduate. Um we've done Joshua, we've done Hosea, Jonah. So we're trying to mix up some of that. That's in my preaching and teaching. So what we'll typically do, if it's a longer series, like when we were doing the Gospel of Mark, for example, or mm-hmm. we'll teach, we'll take a break and kind of hit something a little more practical and then come back to that. Uh-huh. But, but for the most part, we just truck right on through the the book. That, for us, has been extremely helpful and extremely impactful for our students because mm-hmm. they they then get to see the book from start to finish. The context is all there. The thoughts as they build on one, each, one another are all there. And then for our small group stuff, every other quarter is a book study as well. So okay. we start, we'll go 13 weeks through a book and then we'll jump into something a little more pragmatic or practical or... Maybe a survey class, New Testament survey, Old Testament survey, uh, cults and religions, or how to defend your faith, how to manage time, money, that kind of stuff. And mm. then we jump back to another book. So the, the, our fall semester, a quarter, and then our spring quarter are book studies. And then the other two are more practical and pragmatic. And for us, that's, it works great because there's, yeah. I mean, the bottom line is, listen, there's nothing the Bible's not going to touch. Absolutely. So, I can, I can, any topical series I could preach, I'm going to hit as I teach through the Bible.
1: Yeah. And that that's exactly how we feel too. So I do very few topical series. And so when I, when I say series, we're the same way right now, we're about to start our love, sex, and dating series, which is one of the few topical studies that we do. Right. And I do that every year, but that's just a conviction of mine. Um, some people would be like, "Ah, oh, that's, that's way too often. But right after we finish this, we're going into the book of Romans to which we have a, a plan end date. But if we still have, you know, if we get to that end date and we still have a couple chapters, though, we're going to keep, keep like you said, moving straight through. And as you're teaching through scripture, you're going to hit these opportunities to talk about some of these core doctrines. It's it's going to bring itself up. As you're teaching through scripture, you're going to have the opportunity to talk about some of these very topical messages these these felt need series are going to come up as you walk your way through scripture so yeah i'm right there with you
0: you know and i'm not saying that that's the only way to do it or that everybody should do that i just think a lot of times we don't even consider it because i mean just the standard you know in youth ministries we're going to do these little 3 week 4 week topical things and and we roll from one to the next and man i'll be honest unless you're buying those messages from from somewhere which is a whole nother issue uh that i have you're it's more work to do a topical series it
1: is yes. I, and,
0: and i'm i'm just too lazy for that i'll just be honest like
1: <laughs> it's a lot easier just to open scripture grab a good commentary sit down walk your way through that and it's right there in front of you so. yeah
0: and i i mean i love to study so i'm a little bit of a nerd on that end i mean i'll put 15, Absolutely. i'll easily put 15 hours into a message if i'm not careful um and if i'm doing topical, man, I, If I really want to be careful and mindful that I'm not taking things out of context as I'm teaching them, I've got to put in so much more time because now I've got to do study on every passage I'm referencing and teaching.
1: And that's the danger of teaching topically, definitely, is just pulling verses for the sake of pulling verses without looking at the greater context.
0: Yeah, and don't get me wrong. There's a place for that, and we do some topical stuff too. Like I'm I'm not saying that you should not teach topically. I'm just saying that for us, the approach we've taken is to study through books, and even like our D Now weekends, we pick a book or a passage and we spend the whole weekend in one passage rather than te- than teaching around a theme. And so it's just for us, it's, it works phenomenal. I'd rather our students come away from a weekend having been in one passage or one book and uh, having a good grasp of that mm-hmm. than walking away and not really being able to remember the theme until they pick up the T-shirt. Mm, yeah. And I think so many times that's that's kind of what happens. So, Okay, so... For those listening, somebody's listening right now and they're going, man, I really need to be... I'd love to emphasize doctrine and theology more, but I'm not real sure where to start. What do you think? Where are your thoughts?
1: Where to start? So you could start anywhere. One, this is where I would begin. I would begin with examining the way that you study and and the way that you prepare your messages, like we just talked about. It's got to begin with you. If uh, If this is an emphasis in your own life, there's no way that you should expect it to be an emphasis in the life of both your students or your leaders. And so I'd begin with you and then move directly from that to your leaders. Um, so we do small groups throughout the week and host homes all around the city. What we want to do is train our leaders in theology and doctrine. Um, I see far too many people focusing trainings on, hey, make sure you don't stick five kids on a couch because that can be, be distracting for someone trying to hear the message versus saying, hey, when we're doing a training, what we want to do is – Raise up leaders who understand how to process theology and doctrine, how to insert that into whatever study that we're walking through. So if we're walking through the book of Mark, how can I take certain themes in the book of Mark and relate those back to uh, a foundational doctrine? I want our leaders to be able to do that. And so what we do is we train our leaders in theology. We train them in doctrine. At the beginning of the year, we gave them a book, and I'll reference this later in the show as well, uh called uh T- Christian Beliefs, 20 Basics Every Christian Should Know by Wayne Grudem. And that is just a small reader that we give. It's about four pages per doctrine that we give to our leaders. And then in our trainings, we discuss these things. We push them in these things so that they'll be able to get to the point where they're overflowing, where this is something that's just coming out of their heart as they're teaching through whatever book or study that we are walking through as a student ministry.
0: Yeah, and I would say to I mean— Look, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, gosh, I am not a, a theologian. You know, I am, I am not really into doctrine or theology. I, I don't know how well-versed I am. I've never been to seminary. I've never been to Bible college. I've never... I, I would say that's okay. I mean, you don't have to be an expert. Nobody's an expert at this. And for me, I would say that's all the more reason that you need to be teaching this because exactly. you're, you're going to grow and learn as you study. Exactly. And so find, you know, find some good commentaries, find some, some good resources, find someone who is a little further along with you than you are maybe, uh, and learn.
1: And that's how your leaders are going to feel. Honestly, when we when we first brought this up to our leaders, they were like, "Oh my goodness, you're expecting me to be a theologian? What is happening? Like, what? Why are we doing this?" And there was a lot of reservation because we have these leaders who, man, their their hearts are gold. They really are. They want to be there and serve. But then you tell them, "Hey, guess what? This week, as we talk through uh, the book of Mark, you're going to be talking about the beauty of the atonement. Um, you're going to be talking about, you're expound upon." what sanctification means and a lot of them step back and they're like oh my goodness i in no way shape or form am i qualified to teach this and i say you're right at this point you're not but read these four pages and then you'll know more than anyone else in the room so you're now so you're now a teacher and so do jump in like if you have hesitations if you don't feel like you're equipped the, the reality is you're not yeah and just like jody said go find a, a book, go find a reader. We'll mention some later in the show that'll give you just a great springboard from which to begin this process.
0: Your students really can handle it too. I mean, that, that I mean, we're, we're kind of joking <laughs> about chemistry, uh, you know, but man, some of the classes these students are taking are, I mean, they make theology look you know, like, <laughs> like kindergarten writing class. Absolutely. You know?
1: I've got uh, some students walking through AP history right now who are about to kill themselves. They're just exhausted and it's, literally more reading every night for them than I experienced all throughout college. So it's insane.
0: Yeah, so I think the thing we've seen with this too is as students begin to grasp and understand some of these doctrines and some of this theology, it really opens their eyes to Scripture in a way that they did not see before, and it deepens a passion and a hunger for Scripture and for the study of Scripture in it. You know, it kind of moves, I think what it does is it moves it from Bible stories to, and it makes it very personal. Yeah. Absolutely. And and so I I would, man, I, I, it's, we try to, we don't, I don't know that we come in. We're probably not as, uh, as intentional or as, as you are to come in and say, Hey, we're going to study four weeks through the doctrine of atonement or through the imputation of righteousness. But as we're teaching through that, we're, we're tackling it as it comes and we'll do, Maybe about twice a year, we'll do like a hot topics kind of thing. We we'll put out a little That's box good. and, hey, what do you want to hear? And um, some of those are, most of those are really practical life things, right? Yeah. Um, but every now and then, something will come up like that. Like, uh, you know, last year was a big thing. I, I want to know. I want to know. I, it, it was a lot of, we want to study the book of Revelation. Which uh, we're not every
1: gonna... every student in the world says that, right?
0: Yeah, like let's not <laughs> worry about the revelation right now. Yeah. Uh,
1: That's so funny. Literally, <laughs> I i I've had multiple students come up to me. When are we going to study through the Book of Revelation? I'm like, you're free. Go read it on your own. Let me know what you think. We'll discuss it. Yeah, and they never they never read it on their own. They just want you to talk about it because they hear there's crazy stuff in there, but they won't open it up for themselves. <laughs> hey, it's a great book.
0: I love it. And, yeah, uh, and it's worthy of study for sure. Uh, but there are other things that you need to tackle first before yeah. we jump headlong into the book of revelation. Right. And so, you know, it, even in the sense of the man, what's the doctrine of the church? Like, let's talk about what the church is. You know, yeah. we, we don't have to go, we're not talking, you know, doctrine of election here. We're, we're just talking doctrine of salvation, doctrine of church, doctrine of the Son, doctrine. Of, I mean, th- these are major things that we need to tackle.
1: And I'm glad you bring it up because this is, when you said you guys don't do it maybe as as much as we do, this was just something that flowed out of our our convictions. Because at the end of the day, we were looking at students and saying, when we send them off to college, when we send them out of this ministry, do we feel secure in what we have taught them about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And so when when you open any basic reader about theology or doctrine, what you're going to find is things like, uh, who is man? What is sin? Who is Christ? What is the atonement? What is resurrection? What is election? I'm literally reading this right now out of a table of contents, right? And so when you look at those things, you're just going to go, yes, 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 yes. My students need to know all of this before they leave, right? Yeah. I mean, there's going to be some stuff where you're like, well, maybe they don't need to know that yet, right? right. But um, they're not going to fully grasp the Trinity yet. But some of these basic things about man, sin, Christ, atonement, resurrection, those are core those are absolutely core. And so the reason that you should at least bring this in to some degree or another is it helps give you direction. Like earlier we are talking about youth ministries who kind of just pull random thematic series from nowhere. And, and this week we're going to talk about love, sex, and dating. I'm just going to use that because that's where we're going in the next couple of weeks. Um, and then this week we're going to be talking about you know uh, how to filter pop culture. And then, and then this week we're going to talk about – and they just pull all these kind of series out of nowhere – with no real long-term plan, no real long-term direction about where they want their students to go and what they want their students to hear and experience. And so for us, we just look back and we looked at these topics and we're like, this is everything that we want them to know. This is this is exactly what we would love for them to walk away with. And so how, as we're going through a book, make sure that we're pulling in different parts of these doctrines where we're like, okay, here's a great opportunity. To talk about heaven, here's a great opportunity to talk about the church. Here's a great opportunity to talk about death. Like we, we're looking for opportunities to pull these in, so that we can make sure we're producing. And I know it sounds weird when you when you say it that way, but make sure that we're producing well-rounded students by the time they leave our ministry.
0: I totally agree with that. Um, one of the things when I when I first started in youth ministry, you know, you don't know what you're doing, and I didn't have the benefit of an internship. Uh, I just kind of was thrown in and so i'm reading everything i can find and one of the books that i came across really early on maybe my first year uh or so of ministry was a book by duffy robbins called the ministry of nurture Mm. um it was written in the 80s so it's well past its uh you know infancy in that but to this (laughs) day it's one of those books i continually i continually recommend to folks and that's great one of the things that, I mean, some of the stories and the illustrations he gives are obviously a little outdated, but the, the, I mean, just the nuts and bolts and the meat of that book is so good. And then he's written some other stuff too um, that's very similar that may, mm-hmm. may be kind of an update to some extent to that. But he just talks about the, you know, obviously our job as, as youth pastors is so relational. And how do we build those relationships? How do we create and make those memories? But one of the things in there that I really took to heart. Was this idea of creating your own curriculum map, and I, th- you know, for most of us in youth ministry, you kind of buy whatever curriculum, uh, you know, that that comes, and they kind of are determining what you're studying from, yeah, from quarter to quarter as it comes. You just they send it, you teach it, or you download it, and they, t- you know, however that's coming. And he really, that's the first time I really heard that was, hey, step back. And let's make a list of all of the things you want your students to learn or have studied by the time they leave your ministry. Yeah. And then from that, build a framework and your own map. And so I will tell you this. We've done, this is the way I've done it really since that book. It's, it's a lot of work to start, but it is absolutely worth it. And absolutely. so we're not using, you know, we, we probably use about six or seven different curriculum, you know, companies, I guess, if you will. <laughs> you great.
1: know, It's it's amazing that the, the world we live in, right? Where you could be like, I subscribe to this and I get you this know? and I pay for this one. And now you do my own. So, so,
0: and then we, you know, we're doing some of our own things in there as yeah. well. But, uh, you know, we're in a lot of those, like our, our Bible, our book studies that we're doing, where we're studying through the books, all of those are coming from one, one place, right? Some of our more practical stuff is coming from another. Um, we're we're using uh, you know, different stuff for our middle school than we are in high school. And every for us, every grade is studying something different. So mm-hmm. like our ninth grade, that fresh our freshman, that first semester, that first quarter, they're studying the book of Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um they'll go Genesis to how to study the Bible and can I trust the Bible, kind of in one. And then yeah. they go from that into the book of Acts. Um, you know, while our sophomores are studying um first, second Timothy and Titus then they do a survey an old testament survey and then they're doing the book of Romans and and then ten, you know 11th grade state so everybody's studying something different but what we want them to do is that we're progressively building for these guys so if you don't have a good understanding of the book of Genesis and the book of Acts you really can't study the old testament or the new testament
1: <laughs> that's great yeah
0: you know what i'm saying so yeah. we start there excellent. we start there and we build and i'll tell you this the first year we did this this is a big change when I came on staff here where I'm at. The first year we did this, I had 10th graders coming to me in the Genesis study saying, "Did you know that this is in the Bible?" Like, <laughs> do you, you know, things like, "Do you know what a mandrake is?" Right? I mean, like, yeah. "Do you know? Did you I cannot believe." And so what I saw almost immediately Were students who were going home and reading their Bibles on their own because they were seeing things that they had never seen before. That's awesome. And you know, we it we the way that we started that, and so this will be helpful maybe for for those listening who think about doing that. We mapped out our high school and what they would be studying each year. And you know, if you're if you're you're we're we're running a good amount of students, so we all of our grades are split, you know, into a bunch. But if you're all together, everybody can learn the same thing and just walk through that map. Right, mm-hmm. but for us, the way we started, is everybody did the freshman the first year. The second year, the freshman, the new f- incoming freshman, learned the freshman curriculum. <laughs> sophomore, junior, senior learned sophomore curriculum. The next year, freshman learned freshman. Sophomore learned sophomore. Juniors and seniors, learned junior learned the junior stuff, and then the final year, all four did all. Doing four. Doing some, yeah. Um, and it and it was great. I mean, it worked really, really well. But again, yeah, you, being you can build upon
1: it. You don't have to do it all at once. It can build upon itself. So, right. Yeah.
0: Build a culture, right. Yeah.
1: Build the culture. Okay, Absolutely. so start
0: with leaders, right? If you're going to start, start with leaders. Um, what do you,
1: what about there from there? So begin with yourself first and foremost. Was begin with yourself. Make that part of your routine of studying, getting in the, the Word of God, pulling it back, making the connection yourself. Let that flow over into your leaders. And once you get your leaders to a good place, then begin offering some sort of deeper meet to those students who who want it. And so that's what we did with our summer ministry entitled Infused. It was literally a mini seminary course for students. We we were unapologetic. We said, hey, we're going to come. There'll be five minutes of hanging out, grabbing some soda so that you can focus throughout, grabbing some spark energy drink, whatever you want to take so you can be Full in for a whole hour of studying God's Word, or studying studying whatever it is that we will be walking through. Whether it be uh, election, what does it mean to be justified versus uh, sanctified? What is adoption? What is perseverance of saints? I mean, we we literally would just grab some of these core things and say we're going to unapologetically walk through it for an hour. And when you have forty to fifty upperclassmen who are excited about that, man, you just feel like you're just going to the next level, right? Like, I don't want to say downplay what happens in small groups on a weekly basis. But at the same time, when you can look back on a summer and say, we walked through 50 students through these core doctrines, and they at least have uh, a beginner's knowledge of what they are so that they can begin to live those out and share those other people. Man, it felt great.
0: Yeah. and And so how long have you been doing that?
1: this, we've been doing it for two years. And so we brought some things back around. There were certain topics that students wanted to review again a second year. And there were some that we, as we talked with them, Hey, what do you like? What'd you not like? There were some, they're like, well, that's pretty easy. We get that. You don't need to talk about it, that again. But obviously students every single year want to talk about things like election, like that always comes up. Um, predestination, are we, are we elected? You know, students, Once they get into that world, and I'm sure every single one of you listening can remember the first time that you engaged in those conversations, and that's kind of all you could think about for a little bit. And so once we get to things like that, students want to talk about that over and over again. And so we've been doing it for two years, but every year we kind of look back upon where we've been. We ask the students where they want to go. We've even given them a a list and said, "Hey, which of these sound interesting? Which one of these intrigue you the most?" and then built the curriculum from there.
0: Yeah, so I was going to ask if you've done it more than one year. Do you do like a 102, you know, is there like a hey, uh, here's a entry level, like first if it's your first time through, second year, you know, kind of a separate. No, set that of sounds
1: things? that sounds really smart, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> It's a great idea if you're listening. You build it. Hey, let me know. Um, but what we did was we hit some things over and over again, but the students who had been through it the first time. So the way we did this, it was very conversational. And so one of us would get up and we would teach, but then we would make them by table. So this is our only real chance that our students ever sit at tables. And so we we put a bunch of tables in the youth room, and one of us, near my associate, would teach through something, and then they would turn and discuss it, find the scripture for it, examine the scripture for it, and it was very conversational and discussion based. And so the second year round, we had students when it came to certain core doctrines who had already been taught in it and they served as table leaders the second year around. So
0: Yeah, that was gonna be my next question is I would imagine this this would kind of snowball a little. You know, you've got after you've had some students go through it, they would they're kind of gonna talk that up naturally and others kind of come in and take take part of that.
1: And even by the end of year one, it was amazing how many adults, volunteers and adults who are in different you know, have nothing to do with student ministry, there were adults coming to this. Yeah, And so that just kind of gives you an idea of there are people out there who want it. There's students out there. There's adults out there who want it. And so you'd be surprised. It was a great front door for a lot of people who walk in and said, this is what you're studying in youth ministry? Like, I thought y'all were back here playing games. I thought y'all were back. (laughs) I thought they shoved y'all back here for a reason. But I come back here and y'all are just walking through a systematic theology like this is legit, you know? And so for... A few volunteers, they came in, and that was the first experience they had because I, you know, we put it out there, uh, kind of mass publicized it throughout the church, and had some adults show up. And one literally didn't know it was a student-led thing, and so yeah. they thought it was just open for for anyone of all ages. And they showed up, realized it was a student-based thing, stuck around, and were absolutely blown away.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I would say there's a balance in this too. Okay, so I, I don't want to. I always want to be careful w- when I'm talking about this to, you know, so if you're listening, you're like, oh man, you, you know, there's, you've got students that are going to come that aren't ready. And I think that's oh, what man. you're saying, right? Is you're like,
1: going gonna to have some students who hate this, who it's the worst idea. Why are we doing this? It sounds boring. Is this school again? I just got lectured for an hour. Why would I come, want to come on Sunday mornings and you just talk about uh, something way over my head, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll do mentor groups on Sunday nights for us and, uh, and they've been great. They're a lot more informal, more life stuff. I mean, get you just, you know, we've got middle school boys learning how to change oil in a car. That's Uh, legit. Some of our leaders teach them how to change the oil, how to change tire. And then around that, while you're laying under the car changing oil, hey, let, you know, let's talk about, let's talk about Jesus. You know, I mean, you know, you've got to change your oil in a car because if you don't, if you don't change the oil in your car, it doesn't, the oil keeps it cool keeps it clean you've got to keep refreshing that engine over and over that's what the oil does and, and the Word of God is like that in our life as well you've got to constantly run back to the word of God and let the spirit of God just replenish and, and so it's been really really good for that but even in in mentoring you know not every student's ready for that either and so Absolutely. it's it's you've got to offer opportunities for students to come in and get plugged into your ministry that are that are very kind of open. And then you're gonna have students though that are gonna wanna go deeper, that are gonna wanna take part in a mentoring thing. You know, I mean, our ninth grade boys this year, uh, for mentoring groups, they were learning to write thank you notes. Mm. You know, nobody knows how to do that anymore. And so but I got a bunch of boys that would be like, uh heck no. I didn't write no thank you note. Right. And so
1: <laughs> Yeah.
0: You take those students that are wanting to go, and I think that's the key here is that as you're teaching and preaching consistently, you, you've got to be mindful of the doctrine and theology so that you are infusing that into what you're teaching, while at the same time being mindful that not every student is going to grasp that and is going to be there for that. Yeah, yeah. And then if you can offer opportunities, like you're saying, for students to come in and really dive and go deeper, then then they can... And that that's even better. But not every yeah. student is going to take part of that. and And... I would imagine some parents are going to send their kids that the kids don't want to be there either. But, no. you know, you it, just because you're talking doctrine and theology doesn't make it boring either.
1: Absolutely. And so that there, there's a sweet balance there. And this is exactly what you're talking about. There's a sweet balance between saying, hey, the reason that we're pouring this into leaders is so that it's ready and available for when it needs to be there. Because I would assume, and this is, I'm just speaking of my context, uh, that when we're walking through a book they're they're more more likely going to stick with what's right in front of them but as we continue to teach and train our leaders once they get to a passage in scripture where they see something like adoption you know our adoption in Christ come out that they're like oh wow david had us read this chapter for a reason okay and now they're just beginning to preach and teach out of their overflow right yeah. and so when, when I say train your leaders in this and, and teach on it, don't hear that is the main thing, that is the only thing, but hear it as, hey, if we pour this into our leaders, then when they get to some of these, these key core doctrines in the Scripture, they're ready and willing to expound upon it for the students who need to hear it. Now, am I thinking that's going to happen in a sixth-grade group? Very seldomly. Like, I would actually probably— encourage my leaders, hey, please don't rail on about, you know, uh, the depravity of man to sixth graders forever and convict them and make them feel horrible. Just talk about, um, help them understand that we are all fallen. We're all in need of Jesus. Right. But you don't have to rail about depravity for a half hour. Right. So,
0: yeah, we all know sixth graders are depraved.
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) They they know, they know that
0: nobody has to convince me of that. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Um, so start with self, Then leaders, right? Give opportunity. Uh I don't know if that's one of your things that you would say, but it seems like that's kind of where we've gone is that you're being intentional to infuse it into other places. Uh Give opportunity for those who want to go deeper to go deeper. Uh Anything else that you'd add to that?
1: Uh, Take the students who want to go deeper and man, that's it. I Honestly, between those three, between yourself, leaders and the students who want to go deeper, that's a great place to start.
0: Yeah, and I think from there, it just continues to build and grow on itself, you know, and just don't run from it. I mean, that's the thing. You can do this. Don't run from this. Uh You know, you you can do this and your Absolutely. students will thank you for it. Um, If you want your students to love scripture, you're going to have to teach them more than the stories. Absolutely. Yeah. And
1: I, I think it'll be something, it's essentially when you start walking through this, it's essentially getting back to some... Uh, old school practices of catechism and helping students walk away with very foundational understanding of faith. And so, yeah, absolutely. Just begin, just start. Don't be afraid to jump in, but step in with confidence, even if you've never done it before. Just step in with confidence. Study it yourself, and the more that you study it, the more you'll see opportunities to infuse it into your sermons, to your small groups, to your trainings, etc.
0: Is there a particular doctrine that you would encourage folks to start with? And is there one you would encourage folks to stay away from at first?
1: (laughs) That's great. And so, honestly, I'll plug Wayne Grudem's 20 Basics Every Christian Should Know again. And some of those are great because it goes, Bible, God, Trinity, creation, prayer, Man, sin, Christ, atonement, resurrection, right? And so some of those, that's just straightforward. I mean, that is, that's is—that's just meat right there. Nothing but meat, right? However, I mean, if you want to go through this, once again, you got to be careful about stepping into that conversation about election. Uh, students will get r- real messed up in the head. Your older ones are really best with them for a while. Uh, we notice that, so we, we tread lightly into that. Um, we, we let them know, hey, these are the... Uh, views out there. This is what we believe. Let God convict you for the rest. We try not to indoctrinate them one way or another, even though we're talking about theology and doctrine. Uh, and so there's there's some things I've noticed. So in Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology, the, the sixth chapter is on uh, angels, Satan, and demons. I've noticed that students really have a hard time gauging the demonic, and that's not saying don't talk about it. Just be careful because it can become way too much of a focus for their young mind uh, on the demonic. And the last thing we want them to walk away with is being like, oh, wow, I'd never thought about that. But now I'm terrified of there's a demon on everything now, you know. Yeah, you
0: get and parents so, calling saying, my kid can't sleep since youth group. What have you yeah, done? Right? Yeah,
1: we talked about demons all night. Now your kids are terrified. So there's, there's some things, but if you use just basic discernment, you should be able to see what do I need to stay away from? What would be harmful if we focused on it a little too much.
0: I'm so glad that you said that uh, as far as kind of, hey, this is what others out there think and believe, because I think that's one area where we do often fail when it comes to teaching doctrine and theology. Oh, man. You know, there are so many, listen, and this may sound really heretical in light of what we've just said, (laughs) um, or very contradictory, (laughs) <laughs> there there are so many things. I mean, people have been arguing about doctrine and theology for thousands of years. That is not going to stop. That is not, not going to stop. Yeah. You, it, is it important to know where you stand? Absolutely. However, it is more important for your students to not know where you stand, okay? It's more important for them to know what's out there. Seek out truth. Let them study and arrive there, okay, their own. So, don't come. Just this, Oh gosh, this is the thing that drives me crazy. Don't, no, rail on it, bro. Rail on it. Don't teach as fact what is unclear. Absolutely. Okay. Have a conviction. Have a position, please. For the love of that is all. Of all that is good in this <laughs> Take world. Take a stand. Yeah. Take a stand. But yeah. do not emphatically teach fact where there is debate.
1: Okay. That is so good. That is so good. And, if you think, if I think back to my favorite classes in seminary. It was the classes where professors did exactly that. They would come in one day and they would argue uh, one way. They would come in the next day and flip the script and argue another way and then say, OK, now your paper that you have to write, you have to explain what you believe and why you believe it. And every single one of us are sitting there going, well, what do you believe? Because we desperately want to know what the professor believes, so we can't write that direction. But they just argued both ways. And so yeah. now we're they, they they grasp that. Hey, don't state fact where people have been debating for all of history, right? I mean, Grant, are there some things that you could take a stand on after you present both cases? Yes, but make students figure it out for themselves. W- when you do that, they will own that knowledge. It won't be something that was given to them that they're regurgitating, but they will truly own it.
0: Yeah, let them, and this is good for you listening to, like, it is so, the tension that you find in Scripture the tension that is there in doctrine and tension in theology is really good and healthy. Mm. And so let them live in that tension a little and wrestle with those things as they learn and grow in themselves because you're you're almost, man, it's like right at the end of the show here and I'm going to throw this out and say,
1: (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, Ah!
0: you almost do more damage by just, hey, this is what I believe and throwing that out because they're just going to adopt your belief. And they're not really going to understand why. And and exactly. so you might as well not teach anything.
1: Exactly. That's so, great.
0: So don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. No, that,
1: that's, that's a great way to end, actually.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. Man, that's good stuff. That's awesome. You've mentioned uh, Grudem's book here. Yeah,
1: probably like four or five times. Yeah, um,
0: so you, we always I'll do live. resources at the end. So with 20 yeah. Basics Every Christian Should Know. Is that what
1: 20 Basics Every Christian Should Know is called Christian Beliefs, 20 Basics Every Christian Should Know by Wayne Grudem. Here's a beautiful thing. That's the reader version. Um, It's only like 200 pages. He's got a little bit longer one called Bible Doctrine. He's got a huge one called Systematic Theology. Also, all three of those are the resources I'm referring you to. But here's the beauty for those of you who are podcast geeks, which obviously you are because you're listening to this one. um, He also did a a podcast based off of his systematic theology. So if you're wondering a place to start, man, while you're running in the gym, while you're working out, um, after you listen to this podcast, then go listen to uh, Wayne Grudem's systematic theology podcast where he's teaching through that book at his home church. Yeah, I've seen that.
0: Okay, I've seen that podcast out there, and I've not listened to it, to be honest.
1: Oh, it's great. It's great. If you geek out on theology and doctrine, it's great. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I would
0: love that. Okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: would love it. Okay, that's awesome. I, I
0: I didn't know quite what it was. I just saw it out there. It was one yeah. of those things. I'll check that out one day. It's just it's just, it's just it him
1: it's him mic'd up teaching through his systematic theology at his home church.
0: That's awesome. Have you seen um this is a this is a go to resource for me in in terms of of this? It's called Wilmington's Guide to the Bible. You ever nope. seen that book? Okay. Ah. So this was a book that was recommended to me really early on in my ministry by one of my professors uh, when I was wanting to start teaching through books. It's not a systematic theology book, okay, so it's not going to read like that. It takes a few different methods of study, which I like. It's a big, huge, honking book, um, and he, he does a chronological method, so he's going to walk you through the Bible chronologically, which is, by the way, not the way it's, it's listed in your Bible. Uh, this is kind of the order that, that, we, that it was written. Um, and then like in the Gospels, for example, it gets to a section where we, when it gets to the Gospel stage, it'll, it'll say 72 steps from glory to glory following Jesus from from, you know, from beginning to end. And it's, so it's very outline-driven, which I love for teaching-wise as well. And yeah. then the second half of the book um, is the doctrinal method. And so it takes all these major doctrines that you're talking about and just kind of focuses in on them. Uh, and kind of walks through, you know, just very out in a very outline form. Okay. So it's maybe a little easier to process for some who are just kind of starting out. Great charts, great pictures, great index in it. Um, it, I, it's a great resource as well, especially if you're just starting the journey of theology. Uh, that's great. And, and, and he and Grudem are not going to agree on everything, which no, I, but, I which I think again is good.
1: If I'm guilty of anything in this podcast so far, is it just, being a proponent of that one. That's what I study. And I don't even agree with everything I read from Grudem. And so that's, sure. that's the other thing is, is find multiple voices and understand that you don't have to agree, but decide what you believe, but then be ready to preach and teach both sides of each argument so that you give your students an understanding of what's at play.
0: Yeah, that's great. So we'll put links to all those in the show notes uh, in there for you, as well as a link to the blog over at the theyouthministryblog.com. And then if folks want to find you other than the blog, obviously...
1: Absolutely. Um, I I Twitter at at Ymenblog, yminblog y m i n b l o g. If you're my personal account, I'm at David Hanson, just like the Hanson band, which ruined my eighth grade year. Uh, David Hansen one on like, Twitter.
0: Like the very first one.
1: The very yeah, the very first one. David Hansen one. Except you first.
0: Were, you probably weren't the first. That's why you had to put the one. Yeah.
1: I wasn't the first. I was uh, a bummed. There's some ro- robot engineer out there with my name. He stole it. He's
0: really smart. I know. So, great. Well, man, thanks for coming <laughs> on the show.
1: Absolutely, uh, man. It was a blast.
0: Man, head over. Check out the blog there. You've got some stuff coming up, too, that you're about to launch, to Great resources and helps.
1: Absolutely. You uh, mind if I plug that real quick? Go
0: for it. Plug it.
1: Awesome. So, a buddy of mine and I are about to do a a new web show uh, it's called youth ministry tv and it's going to be driven through youtube and so if you're a big youtuber then I encourage you to go look up the youth ministry blog on youtube and here pretty quick it won't look like anything right now but here pretty quick we're going to be releasing episodes of youth ministry tv and we're really excited about where that's going to take take us so
0: cool technology man crazy it's awesome there's no excuse You can find stuff everywhere. (laughs) This is true. Cool. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. We'll catch you later.
1: All right. Thank you so much, Jody.
0: See you, man. There you have it. Another great interview. David's such a great guy. He's got a lot of amazing things going on there in their youth ministry, as well as on the youthministryblog.com. I would encourage you to head over there and check out what he's got going on. Be on the lookout for the Youth Ministry TV stuff that they're rolling out here shortly. It'll be a huge resource. I know it'll be good. He's just such a smart guy and, again, just has a huge heart to encourage and equip youth pastors and youth workers. Those are the kind of folks that uh, we like to steer you to and encourage you to be around. Again, all the links, all the resources mentioned in this episode you can find on the show notes page over at thelongerhall.com slash episode 010. Thelongerhall.com slash episode 0 one zero. So you're going to want to head over there. You can leave comments, questions you have there about this episode for myself or for David. We'll do our best to answer those for you and respond there. And so make sure you head over there to check all of that out. Again, if you're enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes, subscribe there, write and leave a review. Helps me out a ton with iTunes rankings in particular, so that other youth pastors and youth workers can find the podcast. Also, just really super encouraging to me, honestly, if for no other reason. It's uh, really helpful to hear that you're finding it helpful and useful. So you can do that. TheLongerHall.com slash iTunes will take you right there. And again, one final thanks to today's sponsor, Audible.com. I would really encourage you to give that a try. It's been a huge blessing, huge benefit for me. Really has helped me a ton in my ministry and just in my life. I've really enjoyed it uh, a ton. And so I wouldn't recommend it if I didn't think it would be helpful to you. So TheLongerHall.com slash trial. It will take you there. You can sign up for your free 30-day trial and your free book. And so with all that said, that'll do it, man. That's another episode in the books. I hope you found it helpful, and we'll see you in the next episode. Until then, give them Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Longer
1: Hall Youth Ministry Podcast at www.thelongerhall.com.